Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, this is Fulhamish. We are your black and white cup of life in what will be an otherwise cupless season. My name is Sammy James, and tonight we have all the reaction to Fulham's limp exit from the FA Cup at the hands of Southampton, plus debate about Slav following last week's tumultuous press conference and some transfer talk as well. Uh, much like Theresa May's cabinet reshuffle, my lineup is pretty much the same, just in a slightly different order. Secretary Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Away Day Minister Don Betts. Hello, hello. And a man who loves nothing more than an expense, Farrell Monk. <laughs> is that reference to my suits or my work? You're an accountant. Uh, that is true. But I get other people to do that for me, you know. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, you're way above expenses. Yeah, you're a senior accountant. <laughs> actually, <laughs> it's actually, that's actually bullshit. <laughs> actually, what I was saying is that you fiddle the company accounts. Shh. What the hell? That's not all he fiddles with. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Whoa. Right, 30 seconds into the podcast, and that is the humour that I think we're going to expect today. Jack, uh, redeem yourself with some good three-word reviews, please. <laughs> They're not mine, but there's no redeeming. <laughs> we'll pick some good ones. Oh, uh, Jack and Loz came through with missing Tom Kearney, which I think was probably the entire basis of, of all of Saturday. Um, there were some good ones. Alan Mills' weakened side disappointment I thought was pretty fair. Uh, Adam Bright's clueless in attack. Granny Lovekin coming through with Wembley playoff. Sorry, was what was one. their name? Granny Lovekin, at Granny Lovekin. <laughs> okay. Fair Big old Gran. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Dejan Stamenkovic came through with back Slav's recruitment. Has he played for us? No, I don't think so, but I enjoy the fact that he has VIC at the end of his name, so I think he might be um, uh, one of Slav's friends. Yes. VRC? VIC. Oh, VIC. Yeah. Not a video recording. Yeah, that's like, what I'm Yukan- like Yukanovic. That was that was the the point. You can yeah. tell that Farrell's the oldest member of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, right. hang on, there's a brilliant one. Oh, Sorry, I've I've just yeah. seen it. Sam Smith coming through with re-signed Jack Grimmer. Oh well, he was the Always grim. Jack yeah. with you. Grim, he was the grim, grim reaper grim for. Uh, for Mark Hughes on Saturday. More on him later. Just to say, before we talk about Southampton, that this season Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. And right now, Fulhamish listeners can bet £5, get £20, deposit a fiver, Ladbrokes will add another 20 quid to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. Just to add to that, Fulhamish is also backed this season by Tom Kearney. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's, it's one of those things. If you haven't seen this on our Twitter slash Instagram, probably go and have a look. But Tom Kearney, fan and friend and lover of the pod. He is indeed, and good taste, I like to say. So it was a lacklustre 1-0 defeat to Premier League Southampton on Saturday. Not a disgrace, but not very inspiring either. Slav made five changes, and I think it was pretty much as you guys predicted in the Extra podcast. It wasn't really a second string. It was kind of a semi second string but quite clear Dom that this was not really top of Slav's agenda as much as he says it was going to be in his press conference no I don't think it was at the top of either club's agenda I mean they weren't playing both second string sides but they're most they made quite a lot of changes but you, you wouldn't say as we said it isn't a second string side I think the build up play was there up through the midfield to the attack but once it got to the final third we looked so clueless and we didn't look like we know we knew what to do with it. Like the ball would get there and then nothing would happen. Because I don't think overall we actually played that badly. I just think once the ball got into the final third, we did literally had no clue what we we're doing. And as one of the three word reviews said, we were missing Tom Kearney's creativity in the centre of the park. Would you were you happy though that Slav had made those changes for this game? 
Not really. I mean, I don't understand the concept or the purpose of wrestling players for the FA Cup because it's just another Saturday game. It's not like... I know we played Ipswich, I don't know how many, three or four days before, but we're not playing again until Borough. I didn't see that, I didn't see that it was ne- necessary to make these changes. And I think if we did play a full-strength side, we would have uh, actually beat Southampton. But if we'd have got to the fourth round on, we you wouldn't have been able to have an away day on the Saturday at Barnsley. Yes, but also it means I could have had another night out in Sheffield when Barnsley got moved to the Tuesday night. <laughs> well, fair enough. Win-win for you. Um, Farrell, what was your thoughts on the game on Saturday? Um, yeah, I've got to echo a lot of what Dom has just said. Um, but it was kind of almost to be as, as expected. Southampton are down a bit on form, Fulham a little bit of an up, on an up, and Fulham did dominate the game possession-wise. But in terms of the quality of the two teams, there wasn't a huge amount of difference. But when it came to key areas, like in the defence and then the attack, everything that Fulham tried to to do against Southampton, Southampton just kind of went, well, you know, they're championship players, let's just step in and get ahead of them. And then in the attacking areas, Southampton just moved the ball really, really quickly and our defenders couldn't get anywhere close to them without generating too many clear-cut chances. For me, Jack, it felt a little bit like a battle... Um, of the midfield that was where it was won and lost for me and as much as I rate Kevin McDonald um, but Ollie Norwood didn't have his best game by a long stretch uh, uh, and Oriel in the middle Romero just was just bossed the centre of the park I think in, in, in a rogue thing I think Oriel Romero and uh, Hoiberg are probably the pe- midfield pairing that's best in the Premier League outside of the top six or the big six if you will um, and they are both very, very good players. Romeo is a funny one, and you watch him, and, and Kevin McDonald's a wonderful player for Fulham, and, and we all rate him highly here, and, and no one's taking anything away from him. But the way that Romeo sort of wins the ball and looks up, gets it out of his feet, and get and changes attack from defence into attack so quickly is kind of the, the difference between a Premier League side and a, and a, and a championship side. And... You know McDonald's excellent, and he and he does win the ball, and he does change change things around for us often. But it, it's not quite the same kind of speed of thought and, and speed of of technician to to make that kind of thing happen. And Romeo is a very very good player, and 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 you know Southampton are, are lucky to have him in in a way. And there's been actually a lot of talk about him moving on this window into potentially one of the biggest sides in the Premier League. And I think that it would be a justified move. He obviously was at Chelsea for a while. He did okay there. Um, he, without getting too many chances in the team, and 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 since he's since he's left, he's he's flourished really. And I think ultimately they just had better players than us on the day. We didn't do anything particularly wrong. Norwood had an absolute shocker, um, but aside from that, you know, no one played particularly badly. I thought it was um, there wasn't particularly much service into into front up front. He he toiled without really making any headway. The only two things he did really like massively of note were the two passes just before he was substituted, put two good balls through for Shea Ojo, but that was, it was almost a, a case of too little too late at that point for him because he, he just sort of toiled without any sort of validation for the whole game. And, you know, Shane Long isn't in the best form of his life and, and there isn't, you know, that much going for Shane Long at the moment, but you know, even when he when he had the ball, that Southampton looked dangerous around him. Even if he didn't look like he was necessarily going to score, he he made things happen, and, and he had touches and shots and, and and things like that, and and all those things that Font didn't have at the weekend. And you know, there's 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 plenty of debate about Rui Font and his kind of position in the team and what he brings. And I think that technically Rui Font's a very good player, but just doesn't seem to sit, fit the system at the moment. Um, before we come on to a few of those individual performances that you mentioned, Jack Farrell, um, just want to talk about the goal that Southampton scored. I thought it was a game of pretty high quality. It was a shame that the contest was decided by such poor defending by Fulham. It was just a, a catalogue of errors. But Ward Prowse 
with a real pouncers finished. Yeah, um, I, I thought you know Ward Prowse for them was a real bright spot for them the whole de- uh, the whole game, um, and he definitely did a, a good amount of pouncing for that goal. Um, uh, it was just it kind of pimbled around, and Fulham didn't really sort of when they got their foot on the ball didn't really sort of try and do any sort of quality passing away that we usually do or get it away when we needed to. And it seemed like a lot of poor decision-making all round. But it was real, the defending-wise, the only sort of really bad blemish um, from either team. Um, but it was a good finish. There's no there's no qualms against Button. He's probably out there one of the, of the back five that, you know, we can actually absolve from that because all round, it was just pretty calamitous really Um, coming on to some of those performances that I mentioned previously Don is that the worst you've ever seen Ollie Norwood in his half a season at the club he he looks like he hadn't touched a football in a year it was it was madness He, he must have misplaced over a dozen passes yeah because after the Ipswich game I was calling for in the next league game Steph Jansen to be dropped and Norwood to come in because I thought he played so well but he was he was misplaced by the left, right and centre. But I think one performance that stood out was Kevin McDonald's because, as we've all said, in the last month, he has not been himself. He's been giving the ball away in, in situations he never would. I know he's still vital to the way we're playing. There's no point in dropping him. But obviously, I've always been one of his bigger fans. And obviously, on the point, I've always mentioned it. But he he does sometimes get a buy-in. Fans, I mean, we're even calling for like, oh, do we need to look for a replacement in January? We don't. We just need someone else who can do that role. Because the only other player in the squad who's actually probably a natural DM is Ibrahim Assise, and he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. So I think that maybe is a position we could strengthen in, because like when we need depth wise. But yeah, I think I thought Norwood was terrible. Uh, he was misplacing passes, as you said, left, right, and centre. He was trying his crossfield long balls, which occasionally one will happen a game, and in this game zero came off. But one player actually I thought wasn't actually that bad was David Button, because there's a pass he makes. I think it's his first pass of the game. It's a brilliant ball over to wide left. I don't know who gets it. I think it may be Sessignon. Mm-hmm. And he just, he take, unfortunately, it's a bad touch from Sessignon, but it's an absolute great pass. And I thought he was, he was, it showed actually that his distribution for me is actually better than Bettinelli's. Because what I've seen from Bettinelli in recent weeks, his distribution has been very, very poor. And I thought Bowen was actually not too bad. But I think, yeah, all round, we just didn't have the key elements of the team working, probably because there wasn't that creative in midfield and obviously even though Adoy does a good job at centre-back it wasn't it isn't his natural position and I think centre-back is clearly a place we need to improve because Reem has been immense this season I think but again on on Saturday he was definitely my man in a match And but I think Callas has just been completely off the ball since he's come back and maybe it's a position we do need to improve in It just all felt a bit meh like that, the whole game was just like yeah. like we watched it and Fulham had a lot of possession that first half and aside from you know, five minutes at the very end of the half after they'd scored where we, we put in a couple of decent crosses and had a few just over the bar and whatever. That was the only period in the game where I thought, oh, Fulham have, have picked it up here. And I think I tweeted at the time saying, you know, it's been better, we're not out of this. And then we came out in the second half and, and, and nothing happened for 45 minutes apart from Southampton hitting the bar inexplicably. Unbelievable. Uh, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> but it, it really was. It, it's just one of those games where like Fulham didn't look like if we'd played another 90 minutes, we weren't going to score. Yeah, it, it just there was there was nothing. There was no there was no impetus. Or... Well, I thought Fulham did have quite a lot of impetus. We were trying to move it forward quickly, but we just couldn't break Southampton down because 
probably, you know, we've got a decent enough attack and we did play some of our best attacking players, or, you know, except Kearney, really. Um, but we just couldn't break them down because they're, you know, they're a solid Premier League defence. The only the problem Southampton have are scoring goals, and that was really evident uh, on Saturday, and it kind of shows their their weaknesses at the moment. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it felt like to me. It felt um, Fulham generally are a team that play brilliantly once they're in front. It very rarely do we actually go in front and then surrender the lead. Apart from the beginning of the season, where we just kind of had moments of ma- uh, of defensive madness in, mm. in the final ten minutes. But we're definitely a side that once we get in the lead, we rarely surrender that lead, and we don't like coming from behind because we like playing that kind of counter attacks style football Southampton seemed to be the complete opposite and once they went 1-0 in front it was just so hard to break them down they surrendered possessions so easily which was really weird from a from from an established Premier League team with a lot of quality running through them the amount of times especially in the last 15 minutes that they would you know one of our moves would break down and they would just lump it forward but not even looking for 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 long and then afterwards Gabbiadini who they were both playing as kind of not even on the shoulder of the last man. They were kind of playing five or ten yards off the last man, you know, uh, towards their own defence. The thing is, and the thing I'd add is that Southampton, I should, I think, should have scored three times. That's yeah, what I, uh, Fulham, Fulham should have scored once, despite the fact that we, you know, dominated possession and, and there was all this time. And the, the fact is, if that game had ended three 0 we would have all been like, well, what's happened here? We didn't lose that game 3-0, but it very, very easily could have done uh, and potentially should have done, I would say. Yeah. Are you just well, flying XG here? I was literally <laughs> just about to say that, the expected goals thing. No, not necessarily. It was just those three chances. You know, Obviously, the, the, the header is inexplicable. Well, he's managed to head that ball up despite coming from above it. Uh, and then managing to get underneath it, head the ball upwards on uh, almost on the line. It difficult didn't really make any ch- difficult sense. Difficult chance. And the other <laughs> one, when, when Gabbiadini just absolutely like batters the ball into the crowd, despite the fact that he's got you know a one on one. And you know that's a man looking for goals to you know to try and and that all comes from Mario Lamina doing bits and obviously yeah. Gabbiadini has really fallen. He started in the Premier League like an absolute train, and I think he scored in the <clears throat> did he score in the League Cup final and he scored and he should have had another bit. With he was side. brilliant in that game, and he was causing the Premier League all sorts of problems. Reminded me a little bit of. Um, your man who have forgotten the name, Russian guy, Pogrebniak. Sorry, I've just had a total mind blank there. But how you know, blistery start and then actually he's turned out to be not that. And he was starting for Italy in the in the Euros last yeah. year, wasn't Pellegrini he? Pellegrini just doesn't seem to rate him. Uh, and that's the Pellegrino. Pellegrino. I've done this for two, two episodes on the trot. <laughs> yeah. You just want to Pelle- sound Pellegrino. Pellegrino doesn't rate him. Um, Mr. Sam Pellegrino. And it doesn't really make any sense. And, you know, Shane Long's been on the worst run. You know, I love Shane Long. Don't get me I wrong. I thought Shane Long was actually, apart, literally apart from his finishing, he was actually really good. Yeah, he's a very good I, I really, I've always really liked him. And, mm. you know, he hasn't commanded as tra- the, the, the quite huge sums of money from transfers as he has done by accident because obviously he's he's got quality that managers look for you know a bit of the Andy Johnsons about him in the sense that he's not going to score you 20 30 goals a year but he just brings so much to the yeah, team he runs he runs like a train like constantly yeah. he runs all over the place all the time <laughs> like Kamara you no know, not like that <laughs> <laughs> he runs in a direction in the second uh, tier in the second tier though he he could be one yeah, hell of I mean player. why would he move to the second tier yeah. when he starts well, every week in the premier league that's the thing right yeah, he hasn't scored for 11 months in it so he might actually, though, he might be considered scored last week well yeah <laughs> <laughs> he, might, he might be considering it um, anyway up back onto our strikers uh, Fon was given the chance 
up top. Now, neat chances, but it's it's just clearly not going for him at the moment. And it pains me to say it because I really willed him to, to, to make a success of his Fulham career. Obviously, I'd want any Fulham player to do well, but particularly Rui Font, I just thought he was so highly rated from Braga. And we, we've, we've had a few comments online this week about how we're still backing Rui Fonts and how can how can the Fulhamish lads be constantly thinking that Rui Fonts a good player I think Rui Fonts a good player because of the reputation that he came upon but we can't win because we we well I mean mostly Jack but slated Ab- Abubakar Kamara and now they're going can't believe you didn't have any faith in, in, in Kamara it's like well, we're having faith in Rui Font and, 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 and criticizing us for that but anyway aside from my rant are we better off sending him on loan because it just seems to me like he's unlikely to make headway in this well, team. Well, no, because then there's no, there's no cover striking one. No, okay, assuming that cover comes in in replacement. Um, it, well, it depends who we who we got in, really. I think that totally depends. But I wouldn't send him out. Like he's, even though he's on a bad run for one, you can clearly see that the confidence is extremely low. It, the way he held the ball up, I thought, was, was really good. He always brings other players into the game. And uh, yes, he hasn't. he's only had one good performance in a Fulham show, you could argue, against Ipswich. But I think there is something there. It's just, you know, when confidence strikers are low on confidence, they're not going to be playing to their best of their ability. I think you can't just scrap him. I know Abubakar Kamara has scored, like, he scored was it, four in two games. But I didn't think he was amazing in either of his two games. I thought, yes, he's he's going to get more confidence, he can put away these chances, but he's still, I would take, Rufon's positioning is a lot better than Abubakar Kamara's because sometimes when Abubakar Kamara should be in the box, someone's running down the wing, he's still playing left midfield. And, I, don't, I wouldn't send him out on loan. I think he's the loan still... thing for me though isn't necessarily like oh let's bin him. It, it's a case of maybe he should go out somewhere on loan, even if it's upwards, which would be utterly bizarre that we're sending a, a striker up to the Premier League as as he was linked. But that it might give him some confidence in next season. We may have a better player on our hands, no matter what division we're in. I think there's something to be said for like Slav made you know decent changes this week when the players that came on made an impact in mostly a positive sense I thought he didn't take off Norwood though which this was is, just this is a what bizarre I'm, this is what I'm going to bring he, up right okay so yeah, it, 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 so what I would have done was brought well, he obviously lacked a creative attacking talent in midfield because we had three players who weren't really breaking any lines we missed Tom Kearney surely the surely the move was to drop Font into midfield put Kamara on ahead of him and take Norwood off it, it it baffles me how that wasn't considered as an option. And I know I've been the first one saying, give Rui Font a run-up centre-forward, right? So I appreciate that that's going to sound weird. But obviously he's had that chance. There wasn't much happening for him because there was no through balls or, or crosses, anything coming in, because there wasn't much going on in an attacking sense. Yeah, we had the ball a lot in the midfield, but it didn't really go anywhere. We were crying out for a link man. Mm. And he's obviously one of those players that likes dropping off. To play a striker in front of him at that point when we were lacking Kearney, I don't think that Font should play ahead of Kearney or even alongside him, to be honest, because I think that they probably do too similar a job. But when that, that came, time came and we were obviously lacking Tom Kearney's creativity and attacking Naus, it made no sense to me that we decided to bring to keep Ollie Norwood on, who was doing absolutely now, mm. and, um, and, and take Font off completely at that point. It really did baffle me a little but bit. But isn't that what Piazon should be doing? Well, that's what I was going to say. Piazon on Piazzon, the wing, didn't he? Yeah, but, yeah, Piazon was on the wing, and then he moved into the centre, but you can quite clearly see he is lacking that match practice. It is a hell of a long time to be out. Now he's got quite a significant number of minutes under his belt now. You might see him kick on a little bit, but you know it's a very difficult game for Piazon to play in. Um, 
you know, against uh, against Southampton, he hasn't had a lot of minutes. He's come back and come back from quite a long in, long spell on the sidelines. And I mean, Jack's hit the nail on the head with you know, we needed that link, and Piazon was trying and he was trying, but it was just it's a bit too much of an ask for him, mm. and it was a bit too much of an ask for Norwood, who was just pants. Abysmal was the word I think I used. Do you think, Farrell, that it was a bit of a missed opportunity for Fulham to claim a positive win over a Premier League side in the Cup? Southampton came uh, with, with zero confidence. They've been on a terrible run in the Premier League. I don't think they were brilliant on Saturday by any stretch of the imagination. I think they played the game well. They got themselves in front and they held on to it. But I, I feel like this Saints side may well have been beatable if we'd have put a first-string side out. But on the other hand, was it the right decision to rest our players and focus on the league. Dom seems to disagree. What do you think? Um, I think I'm going to put my ass on the fence here and just and say <laughs> Watch this yes and no. <laughs> um, you know, and yes and no. I think that the team that we had on Saturday was probably just about good enough to, you know, if they're all playing at their best, to get a win. Um, but... You know, then again, you you got to rely on the players in front of you, and it's up to Slav to kind of make those you know really really crucial decisions. Then again, if Fulham were also a Premier League team, then they would look at the FA Cup as kind of a a a way of kicking the team on and and going far in the competition. But realistically, are Fulham going to get to Wembley? No, because they had Southampton in front of them. If perhaps we had a good run like we did last year and get a couple of good results in, then yes. But I do agree it was a little bit of a missed opportunity, but in the grand scheme of things, I, w- I would have been disappointed with Slav if he put out 100% full-strength team, truth be told. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm always one of those fans that's furious when we go out of either cup, especially when we're in the Premier League. The wa- I used to be so annoyed, and it used to normally be about September when we used to go out the Carling Cup, because I was thinking that's the actual competition we can win this year. Forget the FA Cup's quite hard, but the, the Carling Cup is the one we could get to the final. And we used to like, limp out to Wickham Wanderers at home or whatever, and it used to really infuriate me. And the same with the FA Cup. I used to be gutted with the FA Cup. I almost used to have this feeling, especially if we weren't, weren't fighting relegation, the season's over. Yeah. Uh, but this season is the least upset I've ever been about going out of the Cup. I was disappointed even last year, uh, and even the few years before that, when we lost to Sheffield Wednesday at home, I was really disappointed. But yesterday, I just... Uh, sorry, not yesterday, <laughs> Saturday... I just really didn't care. Obviously, I wanted to win, but I just didn't care because I just don't think that this season's about the FA Cup in any way, shape or form. Jack, did you have a similar feeling? I was really angry in August when we went out of the League Cup or September or whenever it was. I remember being very angry, more with the performance than anything else. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I just felt... I didn't didn't feel sad or or anything. I just sort of was like, well, that's that. Apathy. Yeah, complete apathy. Um, I, I don't think we were going to win the, Premier, the FA Cup. I, I really don't. And, you know, if we can win the FA Cup in our heyday, the chances of us winning it now are slim, if if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm a little bit guided that we didn't beat Southampton because it might have meant that we'd gone and done, you know, got, got a good draw in the next round and it would have been a nice day out and whatever. And if this season does end up plunging into obscurity, at least we might have got something, you know, like a nice day out of out of a fourth round draw or, you know, a, a fun day out in non-league ground or whatever. But yeah, most mostly just I'm extremely apathetic about the the entire thing. I, I, I've got, you know, it's it, I am disappointed about the FA Cup because, you know, I said last week I love the FA Cup and, I, you know, I want Fulham to be in it. Um, but it was just, I think, all things considered with with it being Southampton and with it um, the manner of the defeat, it was kind of like, well, 
we played as well as we probably could have, could have done with the team that was available, and we just didn't we couldn't get beat a team in the division above. So, meh. That, that's that. That's Most, that. Mostly, I'm just sad about the fact that we're not going to be on the BBC again. <laughs> <laughs> you've got oh, a ta- yeah. you've got a taste for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like the big time now. You like the fame, and it's not going to happen again this season. Well, you never know. There might be other ways. Just to say, um, we will be releasing another Fulhamish Extra this week. Coming up on Fulhamish Extra, uh, we're going to be previewing the Middlesbrough match, uh, and we're also going to be asking who out of our squad could cut it in the Premier League. Um, a question that I think has been on many fans' lips uh, after watching the performance against Southampton. Plus, we're going to be having a stats chat with uh, Mike Gregg, who you might know better uh, as MJG on Twitter. He's going to give us some permutations and combinations of what Fulham need to make the playoffs a reality come May. So make sure you get that downloaded in your podcast inboxes. That will be out on Thursday morning. Right, we're going to chat about Slav in just a little bit. Hello, Sammy here. How's it going? Normally in this bit of the podcast, we have a sponsor message, often selling very posh craft beer. But we'd like to find some new sponsors for 2018, and we thought we might put the message out there. We need a sponsor so that we can pay the bills, stuff like the website, buying equipment, and buying ourselves enough beer that numbs the pain of Jack's incessant ranting. If you've got a business and you'd like to advertise to the thousands of Fulham fans that listen to this show every week, give us an email, pod at fulhamish.co.uk. We can have a chat and see what we can do for you. That's pod at fulhamish.co.uk. Drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. My name's Sammy James, joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Farrell Monk, in your own time. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> you did Dom first time round. Oh, well, I'm just changing it up, keeping you on your toes. And Dom Betts. Hello, hello. Oh, that's much better. So we've got a little bit of chat to have now about Slavisa Yukanovic. Um, as I'm sure many, many of you were having on the terrace or in the pubs, last weekend, uh, you will have heard, I'm sure, about Slav's press conference on Thursday, I believe it is. It was a pre-match FA Cup press conference, nothing too out of the ordinary about it, but it ended in pretty dramatic circumstances as he had a back-me-or-sack-me outburst uh, with regards to Fulham's transfer policy this January. Now, he said, now this is his actual quote, uh, this January I am really disappointed with the information around us. We don't have any clear targets. Then he goes on to say, and I'm paraphrasing now, that in a scenario where the coach doesn't think the squad is strong enough, but the club thinks it is, then the club should sack the coach. I mean, is this just another case of Slav flexing his muscles to the press in order to get his own way in the transfer market? If so, Dom, is this getting a little bit old? Is he just having another tantrum like he does every single bloody transfer window? It's just, it's just, it's just getting annoying now. It's just getting childish. Just like you know what you know, you knew when you joined the club that this was going to be the transfer policy. You weren't giving the manager's role; you're giving the head coach role. I understand he wants to be able to control what players he can have, but. I don't know why he complains every single time. I think he just does it so he has an excuse when he doesn't achieve his targets come the end of the season. But ultimately, if this means that Slav gets more results out of the board or out of the directors of football, then it's positive because then we get better players or better performances on the pitch. There are better ways of doing this. You don't need to go and do it through the press. What's the side effects of doing this in the press, apart from us fans getting a little bit irate? Well, yeah, fans fans get annoyed. And okay, but that, that, that obviously then it, then it creates but... a sort of image that there's a massive argument between the board and the manager, and you don't want that because then that's only going to filter through to the players, and it's just it could it could in effect affect our performances on the pitch. I don't understand why you needed to just add this at the end of the press conference. Then he obviously had another tantrum after the Southampton game. 
I just don't understand why why you need to do it. I mean, have these conversations behind closed doors. They don't need to be shown in the media. And I think he just does it so he he has something to point towards if his team doesn't reach their targets coming in the season. Well, they mu- he must have had some sort of bust up shortly before going into the press conference. But must he? Well, I don't know. He might have just been. He might have planned it. We we'll we'll never know. But he's obviously got results doing this approach in the past. Um, but it's just it just screams of bad PR from from his point of view, in terms of, you know, it makes it makes the club look bad. It makes him look bad. It makes the it makes a mockery of the whole sort of chain of command and everything. You you know you shouldn't really, you know, it does send a bad image to the players because you know players might not actually sort of converse with a lot of the senior management team and it's you know they need to sort of communicate through the manager himself and you know openly criticizing the the senior management team to, for the whole nation to see is just well it's just petulant Sammy if you went on kiss tomorrow morning and you grabbed the microphone and you started having a rant about your boss how long would you last in your job i think that's different is it? <laughs> Why is, this is the weird thing about football. But no, but okay, let's. let's How long would but you last? Okay, put it, put, put it back in a radio equivalent. Okay, I'm not. I'm not on air. Chris Moyles did the same. He didn't get fired. Yeah, but he's Chris Moyles. He can do what he wants. Exactly, and this is well, the VC Jukanovic, yeah. and he can do what he wants. Yeah, but that he was exactly what, what he wants. But Chris Moyles is more Sir Alex. Jukanovic is more. Someone who covers one to four a.m. on some online radio station. Um, but um, it's the same point uh, that in his own world, he is top of the tree, and he has the backing of so many fans. So he can do this. He can get away with it yeah, because he, he knows he has the popular. He shouldn't, but he can. It's, it's, there's a there's a difference. Yeah. And also, what realistically are the club going to do though? They're not going to sack him. Well, are no, because he'll get a massive payoff, which is exactly. what he's angling for here. This is the whole thing. You remember when I I said back in November that Yukanovic was trying to get himself sacked and everyone laughed at me? Shock. Yukanovic is trying to get himself sacked like, again. The most annoying the most annoying I thing about it that. is that he won't he doesn't have any of these tangents or outbursts when it's not a transfer window. He also yeah, doesn't do it true, when yeah. Fulham aren't doing well. Yeah, this that's is the true. thing. This is what annoys me most, right? This is my point. And you can read my extended thoughts on this on the website. But it the the thing that Yukanovic does is he waits until Things go in his favour, and then he uses it to strong-arm the board. And what he's doing is he's sort of like creating this kind of idea that there's a massive divide between the management and the and the senior management in the club. And basically what he's doing is he's turning supporters against the, manage, the, you know, the senior management who, you know, in, in many ways have done lots of good things. And, and we talked about it at length about Khan's investment, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch. And all of that seems to get forgotten as soon as Jukanovic has a tantrum. And, and it really does annoy me because what he's doing is he wouldn't do this when things weren't going well because people would be like, hang on, Khan's put this money into him and Jukanovic has not delivered on the pitch. But as soon as things go his way again, he's able to kind of twist that fan sentiment. And instead of twisting it for, you know, for, to, to, to benefit the team, he twists it for his own ends to try and, you know, divide divide against the, the board and, and the senior management. And I think it, it really does annoy me because... It, but it's not like he, he controlled the transfers at Watford. Yeah, yeah. He didn't sign any of the players that got him no. the league title. I know he was only there for like two days, but <laughs> like, but um, and and also like 
the whole thing with Fulham fans and the boys, oh, why weren't the Khans at Fulham Southampton but at NFL game? I was like, well, the Jaguars were in the bloody playoffs. Why would he be at Fulham Southampton in the bloody FA Cup third round? Who the, Fulham... bloody, else, who the bloody else complaining about that? Oh, loads oh, of people. Was oh, mate, it was absolutely massive online really? backlash. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my Lord. But the thing is, like, if Fulham were in the playoffs and, and, and they, were in, they were in America to watch like a random like, game in, in, in a division, and then people would have a, a, a cause for debate. And, and also, if, if that happened, then people would be up in arms, and rightly so. And the Jags fans would be up in arms if they just sacked off their playoff game, first playoff game in ten years to to come and watch Fulham in a, like a, in a competition which realistically isn't our main aim for the season. That's nuts. It is nuts. But do you think anything's genuinely happened behind the scenes? No. No, I don't. No, think. it's it's weird because Slavisa knew what he was getting in for. It was it was very very public before. Well, in the whole sort of recruitment process of getting the new manager in, that it was we're getting a head coach, not going to be involved in recruitment. It's, as far as we're concerned, he hardly will be involved in transfers at all, and the person coming in will be a head coach and only looking after the coaching of the team. But doesn't it say quite a lot about the culture of Fulham, where the only way that Slavisa can get his way, or he feels that he can get his way, is by going through the press? I think He didn't create of, the system. I think it says more about Slavisa than it does about Fulham. I, I, I kind of tend to disagree there, that I feel like if he feels like he has no other option, and that if it's mutually to the benefit of Fulham come the end of the window and do what you like okay, well right, it's, it's benefit it's benefit to him yeah. at the end of the day it's only benefit to him not to Fulham as a whole but if we get better signings this January well that's what I'm saying it's, it, he's feeling like it's better to him because his stock will go up because he thinks it's but going to there's no proof that the signings will be any better or, or any different it just gives him an excuse when we fail to be promoted at the end of the season exactly there's no proof that Slav being in charge of transfer is going to make our recruitment policy any better. Especially if it's Cameron Jerome. Exactly. Would you rather have a, a Kit Simons who just doesn't say what he thinks and goes along with the party line and... Maybe that's what he thinks. How about, how about, how about Antonio Conte? Here's the, here's the example <laughs> I've been giving all week. Well, Antonio okay. Conte, they, they said to him in, in a press conference in the middle, of, they said, yeah, we're talking about Barkley and Carroll before Barkley signed. And he said, look, they're not my players. I get my, ask my opinion and that's it. And then I don't worry about it until those players are given to me. And then I make do with the squad that I've got. It's, do you think I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't determine Antonio Conte as a yes man? I wouldn't determine as someone who lacks passion and drive or commitment to the club, but he is able to get on with the squad he's given and deal with it. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm not asking for Saluisa to be not given anything. I, I think he should be, of course, given a say and an opinion in these things. And I, I do think there is room for discussion in terms of what he wants to get. And I think that the club should be sitting down and discussing that with him. What I don't think he should be doing is throwing his toys out of a pram in a press conference and, and basically undermining the whole thing that we were given about James Lovell coming in and him being someone that Slavisa respected and wanted to work with. And, you know, he won that war against Klein. That's done. It's finished. Klein's out and Slavisa's still here. That game is over. And we were given assurances that, that James Lovell was someone that Slavisa liked and respected on this podcast last week. We were given those insur- assurances. Uh, and... But that doesn't sound like the kind of relationship to me where I'd throw the suddenly Slav Stone level and all the recruitment team immediately under the bus. That doesn't sound healthy to me. Or, or we, I, we accept that Slavisa has basically decided that he's going to try and do this so that he has a full guy if things go wrong again this season. We have no, nothing to prove that Slavisa's outburst has changed the transfer policy one bit. And, you know, these targets could have been looking through you know, last week and the week before this outburst, Slavisa said that he had three targets lined up and he was happy with them. So either the club and Slavisa aren't communicating at all, which is a worry, 
And that needs to be sorted out on all sides, but not not just on, on one side or the other. They need to sit down and thrash that out. Uh, but also, you know, it, it, I don't understand how a week beforehand he thought he had three targets, the week after he has no targets, and then this week we are already linked with two more players, and one of which is suggested that is in the, the, the you know, furthermore stages of a deal. None of that makes sense to me. Well, we'll come on to a, a couple of those transfers in just a little bit. If you want to read more on the subject from Thursday's press conference, uh, there's a couple of articles that touch on it. Uh, one of them is ads, uh, Craven Corner, that went up today. But the main one uh, is Jack's article, uh, which he published on Saturday morning, called Murders and Acquisitions. Yeah, good little uh Good little American I mean, it's psycho one of our, reference it's there one for of, anyone. It's one of our most read articles already uh, over the past few months. So make sure you give it a read. You might agree with it, you might disagree with it, but it's yeah. definitely worth a read either way, whatever you end up thinking about it. And let us uh, know. We, we're always interested yeah, to hear. Yeah, at Fulhamish Pod and the discussion's always open. Um, let's get on to some of the transfers, as I just um, aforementioned. Jack, they're clearly listening to the podcast. Matt Target... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, from Southampton on loan, looks like it's going to be a real goer. Yeah, I mean, there are there are certain things. I think Lyle Thomas is the the one to watch on this um, as as things go. He was he said earlier on um, that there's nothing agreed, but the club are interested and are in conversations with Southampton about it. So it, it looks like that one is a going. I um, mean, obviously, that seems to be the end of Rafa Schwarz if if another left back comes in on loan Dom yeah and I, I don't Rafa hasn't even been given a chance no which I find ridiculous because of the pedigree he had before he came I mean Liverpool after him on a permanent deal for like 15-20 million only in a summer transfer window and then obviously we got him on loan which I think had a future buying clause of 15-20 million pounds in it if we wanted to exercise it but yeah I think we just need to get a left back in really because although how well Dennis Adoy has been done being Mr. Verstal on the back four. I think you'd be doing the natural left back. I know he says his best position is left back, but I'm not, it's not football manager. I don't need an inverted wing back. Like, it's not needed. Like, I, I, would, I would like him. He's a good player. And, you know, he's, he's, he's also had good, good pedigree about him, Target, for the last, I'd say, three or four years. He's always been this good up and coming left back at Southampton, but he's never really got the chance. Like, Gallagher got the chance. Uh, where is he at alone at the moment? Sam Gallagher? Uh, Birmingham. Black. Oh uh, yes, at Birmingham. That was but, Blackburn last year. Yeah, but he's had a chance, and he's clearly not going to be a Premier League player. But I think he's he's a very good option, and I don't think Slav actually wants to play Sessa left back. I think he does want to play him further forward, but he just doesn't have the options within his squad. Well, he does. He has Rafa Suarez, but he doesn't have the options that he wants to play to place us further forward. And if we sign Target, we I don't, I don't we've still got I think space for two more loan deals, and because and I think because we we allowed we got six, and we allowed eight, something like that. So it would be a good, it would be a good signing. It means Cess would get pushed further forward, hopefully, and we clearly know that's where Cess is a lot better played. Um, Farrell, if we do sign Matt Target, how many pod names do you think Jack will use uh, the word target for? Um, come <laughs> by by the time the season's coming, more more than the amount of goals he might score for us. I don't know. He might uh, shows. You <laughs> might see how uh, Jack breaking out the pun book with Target or if he's ever on Target or I don't know <laughs> off Target anything on Target um, Farrell the other rumour that has been coming to light in the past few days uh, Lewis Graben this one's been there uh, for a few weeks now offers a potentially different option up front don't think Sunderland fans are terribly upset uh, to see him go well, what, would you, what would you make of him if he did make the move 
Well, it's, he's proven championship experience. You know, he's he is in that sort of. Could he do it in the? He's well, he kind of flirted with the Premier League a little bit um, when he was at Bournemouth, but didn't really hasn't really got a chance. Um, he 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 is just about average enough to sort of play for Fulham, really, um, and he'll probably get a decent amount of game time. Um, has he got the quality? Quite possibly. Will he come to Fulham? I'm don't I don't know. Um, it looks like his career at Bournemouth is is kind of over, and it's kind of a weird one because he is playing for Sunderland. He has scored a, a few goals, um, but now that's been cancelled and at the players' request, I believe. Um, but maybe that's to force a move to Fulham or or somewhere else. Um, you know, maybe he will fit into the system a bit more. He certainly got the effort. He certainly got the pace, and he certainly does have something about him to score goals. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't be too disappointed if he if we do see him in a Fulham shirt soon. And um, the other one that hasn't been rumoured, but just interesting, Jack, to see uh, Jack Marriott amongst the goals on Saturday for the posh at Villa. Brilliant win for Peterborough. And, I mean, you, you I think you tweeted it perfectly. Imagine your shock. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jack Marriott's a really good player and he scores loads of goals. Um, the, he's the second highest uh, in, uh, English goal scorer in England now behind Harry Kane. Uh, I know it's obviously quite a separate level, but you know it's a, <laughs> it, it's, it's indicative of what Marriott can do. The thing with him is, is, and I've seen a lot of people being like, not quite sure about, you know, I haven't seen that much of him. I've seen you know bits and bobs of Marriott across a number of sort of ninety minutes. What he does is he's quite quick and direct, but he's really not shy of shooting. His, his actual like shots kind of to goals record uh, ratio isn't isn't brilliant but he's really not afraid to have a go much like harry kane really <laughs> yeah but that's it he just he just isn't he just sort of vaguely bangs the ball at goal whenever he sort of gets a sniff it's and, fine and... slav will be able to change that make him stop the ball turn around and pass it back to green before we move forward but it's um yeah but, but that's it i think uh, and if we're if we're looking for a poacher and uh you know someone who's going to be there and in the box and on the end of things we could do far worse than picking up marriott for the four or five million it's going to cost to bring him in it it seems like it would seem unlikely for fulham to do that with their current transfer policy we don't yeah. tend to do that which is really bizarre i mean for a club of fulham size we don't seem to take those risks for like the three or four million it could cost you know the the biggest transfer we've had apart from Rui font i can think of was, was probably tom kearney at four mil well i'm really. a cormac but yeah but that was like that's not really a risk that was, so a, it, was, it was coming down from the premier league and yeah. we had all that parachute money so yeah. yes Exactly. Obviously, a lot of the transfers... Font is the biggest risk I think we've taken since yeah, going down to absolutely. the championship. I'd agree with that. And that was such a stark stark difference to what we've done mm. since and before then. Um, so it would be completely out of character to go for a player like Jack Marriott. But, but hey, we said we said Matt Target last week. We threw the name out there just into the ring, not thinking that it was going to get picked up. So, I, clearly... think, so I think Stephen Gerrard out of retirement, that'll, that'll do nicely. Yeah, yeah. of course. Ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Suggest good things. Okay. He'd have done better than Ollie Norwood at the weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, my gran could have done better than Ollie Norwood at the weekend. <laughs> was it your gran tweeting before? Gran, gran yeah, Granny Lovkin. That was like Granny Lovkin. Um, let's get into some questions, I think, Jack. Um, the post bag is very full, which is nice. 
Yeah, do some rustling. Good man. I've just showed Farrell the right effect. Okay, get your thing. Stop fiddling with the first bag now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not talk about fiddling, you Irish yeah. bastard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh, this is a really good oh, email. Oh, was that fiddling you're on about? Oh. Yeah, 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 that was it. Um, this is from Hector Worsley, who emailed us, which is with an excellent question saying... Could Slav's way of excluding players such as Molo, Graham and Suarez be putting off potential signings from joining so they don't want to risk ending up in our reserves? Dom, I'll start with you. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, No, Tom. No, but I think it, 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 it is going to play on a player's mind if they're joining. They're going to look at the club and see all these signings from the summer who've just pretty much been exiled from the, the first 11 have been just banished to the under-23s. And I think that is a potential thing. And I don't understand why Slav has done this. Because we, when we've seen some of these players play, obviously we haven't really seen Suarez or Graham play. But when we've seen Molo play, he's clearly a very talented footballer and very direct. But what I've heard is he doesn't play. It's not because he's a client signing. Apparently he's a really bad trainer. Although if you looked at Instagram, you wouldn't think that. Because all he, his entire Instagram story is him on an exercise bike. In fairness, maybe that's the issue. <laughs> maybe <laughs> everyone else is outside and he's like, I'm just going to stay here and film myself on this bike. So this is a, this is a conspiracy theory related on the same topic. If Jordan Graham was on loan from Liverpool, would have he played far more? If you think about it, a Wolves going to loan Fulham another player when they? I, 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 if I was Wolves, I'd be a bit pissed off that we've loaned Jordan Graham to you, and he'd have probably played more for us than he has for you. And if I'm thinking next season, Fulham want that player for on loan from Wolves when they'll be in the Premier League, I might be like. Nah, I'm not, you're not. You're not getting another player on loan. You won't. You won't play him. But for Liverpool, we've got. To, we've got to keep Liverpool on side because they're a huge club. They're going to have lots of talent coming through the years. We'd quite like to cite Woodburn on loan and Ryan Kent, and and therefore Ojo plays. I know Ojo's been very good this season, and that's not the only reason he's in the side. I just wondered, is that a thing? I think conspiracy might be a bit of a strong word, but I. Do, I it's actually a, a fair point, um, and. There could be some truth to that, a little bit playing the politics around the big and bigger and the not so big clubs. But I think that the, you know, I think the decision has been made that Graham is just not good enough and he's not good enough to break through the other wingers. You know, he's not from what I've seen of him, which is which is, to be fair, very little. But he's not. We've be- all seen very little. Yeah, that's, that's the point. It's true. Uh, but he, you know, he's he's not better than Ojo. He's not better than Cabano. He's not better than Aite. He's not better than Sessegnon. Um Whack Piazon into the mix. And and now Piazon's back. So, um, but going back to the original question, um, that I it could harm the chances, but it would harm the chances if Slavisa has treated these players badly. And, you know, these players have been around Suarez and um, and Molo have been around the block a little bit. They would know quite a lot of players around. Um, they are from uh, big countries with lots of talent, France and Portugal. And perhaps if Slavisa has treated them badly, then, you know, that would, you know, deter some players coming in. Um, At the end of the day, though, we're in a market where there are far more footballers than there are places on the pitch. Yeah, that is true. And unfortunately, yeah, you, okay, my mate Jordan didn't have a great time there, but I'm, I think I'm a better footballer than Jordan Graham. So why would that happen to me? Yeah. I, that's my only thought on the, on the matter. And also, it's January, so we're not. Although it'd be nice to have add squad depth, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for players, I think, who can slot in straight into the side and improve us. Whereas if you looked when we signed Molo, Graham, 
I, I actually look for, like Suarez, who just slot into left back. But if you look at the likes of Molo and Grimm, we, they weren't players we looked at that were going to slot straight into our first eleven. Whereas I think players we're talking about, so you talk about Jack Marriott, you, you were expecting him to be slotting in straight into the side. If we look at a centre back, I don't know who you who who do you who'd suggest, but if let's you, say Angus McDonald for sake of some, argument, yeah, something like that. You look then just slot straight into the first eleven. Uh, target for Southampton, you look at him just slot straight into the first eleven. I think it's different. Because these players are players we believe in, the club believes, are going to be part of our starting eleven. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think the, the common kind of motive, if you will, is that, that Graham is another one, a bit like Molo, who isn't particularly good at applying himself if he doesn't feel wanted and has therefore dropped off because he's like, man, this is useless. Um, and I think that's kind of what the kind of prevailing public opinion is. And given his kind of social media presence, you know, I I, I like Jordan Graham, but... I, I can see why people wouldn't. And I can see why people don't like his social media presence and the way he presents things. Because it makes it... He does... What, what, does, he, what does he done? It's a bit like me against the world kind of kind of thing. And, and it, his bio is something like, I'm preparing the feast, some of you are walking away from the table too early or something like that. And it, it's, it's all a bit sort of... I'm here, everyone hates me, but I'm going to win. Well, you know your classic he... Facebook friend having a little bit of a bitch about their work on fe- uh, online? It's not far off what Jordan Graham's doing, just in a far more subtle yeah, way. I'm friends with you on Facebook, I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, I'm always slagging off my employers. Yeah, oh, you and Slav. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. So I suppose that's a good question, though. So thank you very yeah. much to Hector for that. We've got another one in the inbox. This is from Richard Smith, friend of the pod friend of the pod um he says having a premiership ref on saturday in a game that passed without any of the normal ridiculous incidents the champions refs regularly inflict on us is it time to make all refs all the way down to league two professional there's so much money in the game there must be enough to do this i'm going to start with our resident refereeing <laughs> expert sammy that, james yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Barrel> Monk. <laughs> um yes or no i mean like it's 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 difficult i mean you've got to it's not like we can choose from referees all around the world like the same way that uh, the teams from the Premier League and the Championship, even League One now, all the way down to League Two, we can we can start just sourcing people from around the world. No one, you know, uh, a top referee from Argentina isn't going to come and referee in League Two now, is he? Might do. Might, might do. I the don't money, know. If the money's right. If the money's right. I mean... You know, I don't know. Maybe that you know there aren't there aren't a huge amount of referees in the in the in the country. You know, you're sourcing from. But then surely that's more of a reason to make it professional. I think his point is that no matter how big the pool is, the money in the game is so huge now. Why are we still relying? Well, they, they, why are we still relying on referees that are policemen on the side? Surely their full time focus should be refereeing, going on refereeing courses, staying fit so they can be a better referee. I kind of agree. I, and I mean, we're not talking hundred thousand a week. We're talking like well, I don't know, thirty, forty k a year. I don't know. Well, the I'm pretty sure that all the referees are professional all the way down to League Two. The assistant referees might not be. Um, I'm pretty sure about that, but I suppose they they could. Uh, Are they? they? Well, but then you see the World Cup final is Howard Webb, and he's in his part time, and you see him at S- South Yorkshire Constabulary. No, I think I, I don't think that's true anymore. Um, I mean, that was only seven. Well, whenever, whenever he did. he wasn't he was professional back then. They're all profe- All the top ones are all professional now. I'm sure he okay. would, he definitely was professional at that point. I remember when I was when I was doing my refereeing <laughs> stuff, which was quite a long time ago now. Um, the to be and there were there were nine levels 
And once you get to level three, that's when you're an assistant referee in the Football League. And you would be earning only for two days a week, uh, 18 grand. And that was part time. That was only for two matches a week. Um, so I'm sure if you once you reach to level two and level one, you were getting ahead of a lot more and mm. you would be professional. Well, then maybe it's a bit and that was that was 10 years ago. You're not that old, Farrell. <laughs> when you consider the standard of officiating, though... Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the quality of the refereeing I've seen in the chat, the difference in between Premier League and Championship, I mean... But can't we produce more than 10 good referees? Well, there's a lot more people playing football than they are refereeing. I think someone... I think it was actually maybe Arsene Wenger this week that came out and said there are only two places where referees are professional, and that's Italy and the UK and none of our referees are going to the World Cup. What does that say about the refereeing system in the... In the UK? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just only have to go to your part football on a Sunday and see how many of them are young, for example. A lot of these people have either been doing refereeing for like 30 years, and that's what they've always done. Yeah. Or they're former footballers who... You know, former Sunday, yeah, just, you know, want to stay away in the game and just earn a bit of extra cash at the weekend. A lot of people don't don't want to do it because of the abuse they care. Yeah, it's it's disgraceful. The level of abuse on on Sunday, Saturdays, well, Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings, whichever you play, is unreal. uh, Farrell and I play for the same team. We're doing brilliantly in the league, as I'm sure you're all aware. Um, One of our referees literally got chased off the pitch by a member of the opposition. I actually, like, he ran off the pitch and was scared. The high, like the, it was, it was horrific to watch. It's not even about like Sunday league was, level though. I'm talking about like under eight level, like the parents yeah. just hound yeah. the referees. The worst, the worst I've the, when I was refereeing, the worst, the worst ones I get are from people on the sideline rather than the actual people on the pitch. Not to you know absolve the people on the pitch because it's it's you know as bad at times, if not a lot worse. Um, but which didn't happen to a lot to me because I was the best referee ever. I guess on the sidelines, you don't have the threat of being sent off. Whereas well, you, that's yeah, the ultimate absolutely. threat you've always got over a player. Whereas on the sidelines, well, it's a free country. I can but stand it if I want. Absolutely. They, they used to say that the only thing you can do is either uh, go or call the police. Mm. That's the only tools that you've got. And it comes from like a culture thing and, you know... the Passion. Yes. You want Jack's right favourite passion. Passion in the passion. game. Yeah. I know. If you don't shout at the referee, you're not a passionate fan. Yeah, it's, there's only so you know there's there's so much you can rant about it and how mm. how terrible it is. My you know my experience of it is uh, the higher the quality of football, the less the abuse gets. You know, unless you you know when you get to like professional level, then it's more from the the fans than it is yeah. from any of the players. But that's just yeah. yeah. When you're being abused by thirty thousands, it's almost kind of not as personal, is it? <laughs> well, absolutely. And right. you've got you've got security and everything to back you up so you kind of feel comfortable exactly right well that was a, a good discussion thank you very much <laughs> that, that went a, off on a tangent it yeah. did but it's it a, it a good discussion and one that's worth having we're going we're gonna to move on back to, to more Fulham related things I think um, this one's from Ed Doubts it's a, it's a DM we got on Twitter um, I thought this is interesting do we need to be on the lookout for another midfielder if Slav isn't happy happy to give Cisse Ed and De La Torre a go Steph Joe's been disappointing so far still not entirely sure what Norwood offers an injury to either K-Mac or TC would almost certainly rule us out of a, play, a potential push for the playoffs well I mentioned it earlier that 
we don't have cover for Kevin McDonald. And we we don't really have... Our other midfield options aren't options. They're just players who are there who can do a job. They're not players who, if a player got injured, I'm happy for them to come in. Thankfully, Piers on his back now, so we do have someone who could actually play the number 10 role if Kenny isn't fit. But, yeah, I do think we need to strengthen midfield. But then you could argue we need to strengthen every bloody position on the pitch, except maybe wide. And it's... So, yes, we could do midfield options, but I th- I think it's maybe third or fourth on the, on, on the agenda. I was going to say that. Yeah. It, it pretty much, yes, but less less sort of... Only if the right player is available. I, I think... I think, no, I, I disagree, but I, I think we could do with strengthening midfield, but I think we'd be better... At, we, we have more pressing issues, yeah. basically. Yeah. The, the attack and defence and possibly even goalkeeper need to be, I'd say, need to be sorted first. At the end of the day, as well, he mentions if Kearney or K-Mac got an injury, what would we do? Well, whoever we sign this January as some sort of backup is not going to be anywhere near the level of K-Mac or Kearney because A, they wouldn't want to come to the club or B, even if they did want to come to the club and be a backup, we wouldn't have the money to afford someone of that quality. And and so it would be lovely. In In an ideal world, we'd just have... James Madison sitting on the bench waiting in case uh, Tom Kearney got injured, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, precisely. We're going to keep moving these on. We're going to try and rattle through some more. Just a quick shout out to both Alf Kelly and Sean Foley, who both sent us messages that we've kind of dealt with it in other sections. But thank you very much both for your messages because they were both interesting points that we raised earlier. This one's from Rogue Rooster, <laughs> which is a good name. He says, I'm led to believe that we're after a goalkeeper. Who would you like to see between the sticks? Um... Well, I mean, I'd, I'd like to know where your sources are from, Rogue Rooster. So if you want to come and be a source for us, I mean, he's that's, the Rogue that's, Rooster. that's great. Yeah. Then um, I'll, I'll be into Rooster's that. Piri piri um, who would you like to see behind the sticks? <laughs> Between the sticks, I'm going to go one-word answers, guys, please. Dom? Smithies. We've, we've said it loads of times. Farrell? Uh, Smithies is a good shout. Yeah, oh, you've, you've, you've taken the wind out of ourselves here. I was going to say Alex McCarthy before he um, before he actually got a run in Southampton's yeah, team. It's really quite <laughs> yeah. annoying. I thought, that was, I thought that was a genuine option that we could look at. Um, I'd look at learning Danny Ward off um, Liverpool. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah good shot. Again, though, I just I, I don't think that goalkeepers the <laughs> no yeah it's, most it's, it's, issue, they're, they're both issue. good. They're both good shot stoppers. Yeah, and there's not as we said, there's not much between them. But yeah, if if I was going to you may want to just be Alex Smithies just to make QPR even worse. Yeah, yeah. Grooster, if you actually have inside information and we're on the lookout for a keeper, please do get in touch with your, your sources. Or if you are a keeper. Yeah. yeah, or if you if you want to play, basically. So we're now actually Slav's, t- uh, Slav's uh, scouting team, so yeah. if you if you want to play, you're going to have to come down to FC Brentford on a, on a Sunday and play for Farrell. <laughs> um, right, there's some more. Kamram, our, our loyal writer who, uh, who does all of our transfer information at the moment, so... Big up to Cam. He says, if a centre-half is to be acquired, who out of Green and Callas would be the Callas. more likely to deputise the bench? It's Callas. <laughs> that, 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 that isn't a question. There's just a, there's a definitive answer there. Reen's been, I'd say, our best player this season. <laughs> and Callas has been not anywhere near the standard he showed last season. It's, I, it's not really a question. It's just... too hard to drop. Uh, Tim Ream Aldo. He's just too. He's just too good on the ball, and he's too good off the ball. Tim Ream, the dream. Yeah, no. Uh, well, yeah, Mr. Party in the USA is a quick one. It's um, is is a decent question though. I think there's there's a reply to it on here from Doi Doi, who says um, <laughs> that's not a name. I'm sorry. <laughs> are, are, names? You ma- are you making these? <laughs> yeah, 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 Doi Usually, usually it's a question here from Tim Smith. That sounds like, that sounds like <laughs> a character from iRobot. Doi Doi is a very active Twitter user. I'll have you know. Um, he said that Slav would is a stickler for application in training which one 
like harks back to the point we were making about Molo and Graham earlier. Um, but also it is a very valid point about it would almost certainly be who's performing better on the on, on that particular week. So that was a good one. Um, Alex Pure Power, who seems to give us a question every week these days, so shout out to him. He says, do we need to bring in some experience this window? We have one one player in the squad who's over the age of 30, which is Tim Ream, who's easily been one of our best and most consistent players this season. Last season, we had Parker's cameos. I just don't really feel like we've replaced. Sammy, I'll start with you this time. Well, I've, I've said this um, numerous times that I would love to see some experience and I'd like to see some experience up front. I keep on banging on about Peter Crouch. It's not going to happen. But someone in the same mould and... I'm also a big fan of oh your man that plays for Nottingham Forest and I've just totally Daryl Murphy. Murphy I'm having a blank with names tonight um, I, I just think someone wily up front who knows the division could do a real job for us so yeah I'd love and, and, and Parker was brilliant for us this season we do seem to miss occasionally the joy of being able to bring him on for the final 15 we minutes we need some hard Brexit games. players yeah exactly I think, I, think, I think it's not just on the pitch, I think it's off the pitch. Roy Hodgson was a big advocate of uh, players and characters around the dressing room. You know, the the sole, pretty much the sole reason he brought in Yari Lippmann, apart from his ear injury problems that Sammy loves, was the fact he was so good. And also Pascal Zubabula, he said he came out and said, not only do we want to sort of train him up to be the goalkeeping coach as well, but he's just so good to have around. You yeah. know, he's really experienced on the training field, and he gives a lot of advice to the to the players around him and maybe that's what Scott Parker was as well to the club and that's maybe that's definitely had that role yeah absolutely indeed right we're going to rattle through there's, there's one more question and one one excellent jokey question at the end um, a bit like question time uh, he says Sam Lockhart says if we get Matt Target that would mean Sessignon would play left wing you'd, you'd assume we have five left wingers in the team with that happening would one of them leave he says he can see Aite potentially on his way out. Has always been a starter for us, could get, but could get frustrated over not starting as much. Well, if he, could, if he played better, he would be starting more. Well, he's starting anyway. I know, but I, th- I, don't, I don't. He isn't. If we're starting two wingers, he's not the two I choose. The two I'm always going to choose at the moment is Ojo and Sessegnon. Because Aite, yes, he he has great individual moments, but he does try too much. And this season, I think he has been poor, even though he has had his usual injury problems. And I think selling him in, selling him on personally in the summer, or even in, in this transfer window, I wouldn't be against the idea if we got a decent fee for him. Well, who are the five? Uh, I think the point was Cabano, Aite, Sessignon, um, Ojo, and. But he said left wing. Oh, sorry. Well, he's on about um. He's his five are, um, Graham Molo, Cabano, Seth, and Aite. Oh, right. Okay. I thought he was throwing um George Williams into the mix. No, there. no. I think George Williams is oh. is he's off having a baby. Um. So so that's. What the hell do you know all this? George Williams is having a child. So good luck to him with. with is that with why he's not getting in? Because he's pregnant. Yeah, he's pregnant. Um. <laughs> you know, his 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 his, his girlfriend slash fiance is pregnant um, with oh, their child. Good, so congratulations, good luck, yeah, good congratulations to George Williams. I forgot for that. he actually existed. Yeah, <laughs> um, and this as a final. Congratulations po- anyway, George. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a final point actually from from Jason Jowden at Fulham Jason, who asks. Should I quit my job and live in a box outside Craven Cottage? Go for it. <laughs> Which is probably the weirdest question we've ever received. But I thought it probably needed we, to. I um, think that's going to generate a lot of debate. We might need to another a Fulhamish extra. <laughs> is, this like David, extra. is this like David Blaine in the glass I box? I don't know. You know, like at the end of question time where like Dappy gets to ask a question and they're like, oh, you know, one of those weird things at the end. Well, if he does it uh, for... 
We'll record Brilliant. it and we'll make it into a social media feature. Yeah. So there you go. There's your, there's your answer. A live 24 7. Are we going to turn up to the, Jason? Are we going to turn up to the studio one week and it'll be in a box in the room? Jason, if you're in a box in the room, we'll let you on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> that's a promise. Thank you very much for your questions, everyone. Uh, sorry we couldn't get around to all of them, obviously, but um, I hope we've answered most of most of the big ones. Yeah, thanks, guys. They're brilliant. Excellent work. Always get involved at Fulhamish Pod or you can email us pod at fulhamish.co.uk. Right, or we slide need... into our DMs. Oh, yeah, feel free to slide <laughs> into the Fulhamish DMs, into Jack's DMs, whatever you like. I'm going to open up my DMs for people. Yeah, my DMs are always open. <laughs> um, so we need to name this week's podcast just before we finish. Jack, have we got any ideas? Saints and Sinners. Saints and Sinners, very nice. A bit like your murders and acquisitions. It's getting quite dark, some of your titles. Yeah, well, I, that's a really that's a really clever reference to American Psycho, and I also finished the finished the article with "This is not an exit" to double down on it. I think Jack's just been listening to maybe too many true crime podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I do like, like they a are, bit true crime. They are, they are trending in the moment, and he's been clearly listening you know to me, too many. You know me, Tom. I'm a trendy bloke. Yeah. I mean, um, this podcast is just ending, so people are probably looking for another audio fix. What do you recommend? I don't actually listen to true. Oh, crime do you not, Dom? Untold. Untold. And obviously Serial, you won't listen to it, but oh, yeah, if you haven't listened to Serial, like, what you do? Yeah, life. I mean, literally. Do you even know how to podcast? So, <laughs> that was just <laughs> looked like, what's going on? <laughs> right, we will be back with Fulhamish Extra coming later this week. It should be dropping Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, hopefully in time for your Thursday morning commute. We'll be previewing the Middlesbrough match as the championship action gets back underway. Uh, we'll be talking who of our squad could cut it in the Premier League, and we're going to have a stats chat with Mike Gregg as well. And we'll be chatting to a Middlesbrough fan, of course. So all that remains to be said is thank you for listening and to Jack Collins thank you very much hello your boy Baron Monk thank you very much thank you chums and Don Betts see you very soon laters goodbye toodles